0: slash thrive for 20% off your first
1: order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Boucher and on Hypothetical we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hyperthetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hyperthetical, H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.
0: Hi, I'm Shanti and I'm Lynx and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hi Lynx.
2: Hey Shanti! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! How you do? I'm good. first episode of the new year. Yes. How was your uh, holidays? It's been amazing. So it's, we've only got a couple more days left before it's back to work. But I've had the most enjoyable and restful two weeks. I've read almost four books that have been non-podcast, non-Muse related. Um, I had a cold. But I've just been... Um, what was the best resting. book? Mm Well, the one that I passed on to you was pretty good. Complicated Kindness mm-hmm. about a Mennonite girl who wants to go to New York and dreams about Lou Reed. Yeah. So, so obviously, like me. yeah, I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah. And I've just been thinking about all of the amazing things that we did last year and sort of did a breakdown of uh, month by month, which I sent to you. And it's nice to do that and and to look at the calendar from last year and go, okay, so in January this happened, in February this was uh, an accomplishment or whatever. And so now that I've done all of that for 2018, I'm looking forward to – looking forward – and thinking and writing down about, okay, so what are some things that I'd like to do or places that I'd like to go in March and in April, because um, yeah, March break, and I'd like to go somewhere warm
1: mm-hmm. um
2: April is the international doll convention in Las Vegas, and That's right. you know, even if I can't do all of those things, I definitely want to put them all on the list anyways because you'll be surprised if you do something like that and then you go back next year you'll be surprised at how much you did get done it's
3: true yeah looking back on what we accomplished last year and the places we got to go and everything it's really it's really
2: amazing to see it all written out like that mhm and every year for probably the past two or three years maybe longer i've been putting la on my yeah dream list and um I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but it's okay because we went to Tennessee. Yeah. You know, we went to Nashville. We went to Memphis. Um, we've done other things. We've and done other is, places. This is the but year for LA. This like. is the year. Yeah. And our network is out in San Francisco, and I can't wait to meet everybody in person and check out the studios that they've been using and just learn more, you know, learn more about editing and producing and then just getting that feel of, like, being, you know, in the same room with the people that um, we've connected with so much with, but just, yeah, Yeah. 2019, it's it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, and on that note, for listeners who are either new or first-time or long-timers, we're... To Canadian podcasters in Toronto. Yep. So it's always a special occasion when we can get out to the states and yeah, yeah, explore. It's it's, you know it's a bit of a bit of a travel, bit of a ways, but do it. Yeah, it's exciting, and uh, we connected with so many amazing people in these last couple of years who are you know, based in the States. Probably more, right? Oh. we probably talk to more Americans and more Canadians. For sure. For sure. And uh, so it'd be fun to go and just, like, pick off where we left off and do part twos and things like that. Yeah. So. Lots
3: of exciting things to look forward to.
2: We're coming. So you're listening to muses and stuff.
3: Yeah. This episode is going to be a little different. We've never done
2: a jazz episode before. But let's do a jazz episode yeah. because let's start the New year smooth. And actually, for those who are keeping count, not that anybody really is, but the last episode that wasn't an interview, Lynx presented it as well. Yeah. So thanks for getting it together <laughs> and presenting it. I have one on the way. I have one about halfway done, and I'm really excited for it. The only thing is, the reason why it's not done already is because in order to read the book, I have to go to the Toronto Reference Library because you cannot find it unless you want to pay the big bucks for it yeah. online. I kind of had to do a little yeah, bit of that for sense.
3: this one as well. Mm. Um I don't know why. Some of the best books, there's, like, only one copy left at the
2: reference library, and yeah, you can't take it out, so you have to sit there and yeah. do the work. So how would we even describe this podcast at this point, like, two years in? You know, we can't, we can't because we can't just say, this is the podcast about groupies and muses and rock wives. No. Because it is, but. It's about all the behind-the-scenes people, I guess, you
1: mm-hmm. know,
3: men and women, mostly women. Yeah. But uh, yeah, throw in some men sometimes, okay. um, muses, inspirations, people you don't normally hear about, but definitely impacted the life and the work of the ones that you do hear about. Fantastic. Yeah. So this one, yeah, the jazz one, it's very jazz from beginning to end. The story is just the most jazzy story ever. So, um, for this episode, I read as many articles as I could find online. And I checked out a book at the reference library called Lee Morgan, His Life, Music, and Culture by Tom Purchard. Uh, but the main source for this was an essay on a woman named Helen by a man named Larry Rennie Thomas, or Renee Thomas, and a great documentary which was very much based off of Larry's essay called. I Called Him Morgan, which is on Netflix. It's on the Canadian Netflix, at least. I hope it's on the American one as well.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good point, right? Yeah,
3: they're different. Yeah, they are. Uh, I highly recommend everyone watch that after listening. Obviously, there's so much more there. And read uh, Larry's essay as well, because there's so much more. And in the documentary, you hear Helen speak in her own words. And so this episode is about a woman named Helen and or a man named Larry. It's about a woman named Helen and her jazz boyfriend named Lee Morgan. Okay, sorry. Helen and Lee Morgan. Yes, got it. Larry wrote the essay on Helen. Okay. Uh, so yeah, um, check out check out the documentary. I called him Morgan. Obviously, again, photos. You get to see the people. You get to hear their friends speak. It's really good. It's really worth it. So. There's going to be a lot of unexpected twists and turns here, so prepare yourself. Like I said, it's just it's jazz from beginning to end.
2: All right, I'm going to get comfortable. I'm going to have a sip of tea, which has now become our tradition. We sit down, have a cup of tea, yeah. tell a story. So Helen was born in 1926
3: in Brunswick County, North Carolina, on a farm near a town called Shalot. Shawlott. Shawlott. I'm not even going to try to correct you. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Um, She hated being from a small town. She hated working on that farm. She always had those dreams of, you know, getting out of there. Uh, She was raised around music, though. Her mother worked at a place called The Barn, which was a legendary jazz club in Wilmington during the 40s and the 50s. So she was only 13 years old when she had her first child Hmm. and her second at 14. She admits children were not something she ever wanted. Of course, she's a child herself, so <laughs> I, I can understand that. Um, her grandparents raised her children uh, because when she was only 15, Helen started to begin her journey out of that small town by moving to Wilmington to be close to her mother. So when she was 17, she met a 39-year-old bootlegger who she ended up marrying a short time after.
2: Okay, this is not starting
3: off great. I, it's, it's, this is a heavy one, but, like, very interesting. Okay. And it's still, it's like 19, you know. Yeah, like 40s, yeah. early 50s. Hey. Yikes. Um, and, you know, in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, two years into that marriage, her bootlegger husband drowned. I couldn't find out any information on like if that was sh- like a shady thing or or mm-hmm. if it, it was, was an empty. accident or um but he was originally from New York and his relatives came down to the funeral and they actually invited Helen to come back with them for like a week or two to visit New York City so Helen goes and of course once she was there she was like, "Oh my god, this is an incredible city. Like I can't leave here."
2: We're not in North Carolina anymore. Exactly.
3: So in 1945 she officially moved to New York City. Good for her. Yeah. So she found her own apartment on 53rd between 8th and 9th and she began to, you know, find her place in the city. Helen had the gift of conversation and was easy on the eyes. So she had no trouble finding a job. Um, I think she worked as a phone operator for a while. Um, And she, you know, was making friends. So in no time at all, she had established herself in the neighborhood. She was going uptown to the hottest nightclubs, hanging out with all the musicians, staying out all night, being invited to the after-hours joints. She was really... She was really living it up. So in the documentary, I called him Morgan, a friend and neighbor of Helen's named Ron Sinclair. This is what he said about Helen. Helen was a hero in my neighborhood because she came up from the South and she was a woman that had to struggle because she didn't want to work for anyone. She wanted to be her own person. When she walked down the block in the neighborhood, the men and the women paid attention, especially the men, because she wore provocative clothes, a lot of those A-line type dresses and suits. Everything fitted her because she was built very nice. On Fridays, she would change her outfits and come downstairs while all the guys came off work. They'd be shooting craps, and she'd go across the street and shoot with them. Helen, Exactly. So wow. basically, she was a badass babe, just yeah. trying to have fun and, you know, trying to forge her own place
2: for herself in this like male dominated world can keep her behind that telephone exactly exactly she had a face for her.
3: and when speaking about herself at the time helen said i will not sit here and tell you that i was so nice because i was not i was one who would cut you i was sharp i had to be and i looked out for me so
2: She was badass. Yeah, so everybody take the spirit of Helen into you. um, Yes. Moving forward. Just a little bit of that, like, I'm not going to take any crap. Don't take no
3: shit from no one. Exactly. So Helen's apartment became a gathering spot and a safe haven for friends and musicians. Her door was always open. She was also quite progressive for her time. All were welcome, no matter your gender, your sexual orientation. She she just welcomed everyone. She would say people are people. It's a good good saying. Sure. So good for Helen. She loved to cook as well, and she was known for her delicious meals and was constantly feeding all the starving musicians who came around
2: looking for some love and some comfort food. That's what you got to do. Just got to feed the musicians, and they'll keep coming back. That's <laughs> true. Hot Very tip. True. Hot first groupie tip of 2019. <laughs> 2019. <laughs> to feed the yes. musician. So
3: there was only one rule at her home, which apparently was no drug use. Helen apparently did not stand for that. Good for her. i am um, liking Helen yeah. so far. So when Helen was 31. I hope this is a happy story. Um, oh, boy. When Helen was, sorry, not 31, 34, I'm... I'm lowering her age because it's, like, close to my age. I'm just... (laughs) 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 Um, Her son, Al, one of her kids from when she was younger, actually moved to New York, and they actually became, like, super close, and he joined her scene, and they became friends and everything, so I thought that was really cool. He's also in the documentary. Nice. He was 21 then, so, you know, they had, like, an adult friendship and everything, like, they... She didn't really, I guess, know him much uh, growing up. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about Lee Morgan. So Lee was born in Philadelphia on July 10th, 1938, and he found his passion around age 13 when his sister gifted him his first trumpet. Lee could also play the sax. When he was just 18, he joined Dizzy Gillespie's big band, And he stayed with that band for a year and a half, which was when Dizzy had begun to kind of disband the group for economic reasons. So in 1956, he began recording for Blue Note, which was an American jazz label that's owned by Universal Music. He would eventually record 25 albums on Blue Note. He joined and toured with Art Blakely's Jazz Messengers for a few years in the beginning, like, around 1958. Lee had all his talent and greatness. Unfortunately, during this time in the band, he was also introduced to heroin. And soon, he was dealing with a full-blown addiction. So there are stories of him... Wearing slippers to shows because he'd sold his shoes to pay for some dope or um, he had a scar on his head from when he overdosed once and fell on a radiator and like burned his scalp. Falled right over. Yeah. So his addiction was like very real and very problematic. He ended up leaving that group around 1961 and at that point he kind of began to have trouble getting hired. He did record most, his most popular record, The Sidewinder, in 1963, though. Uh, but within those few years, he basically went from like super successful to practically homeless. All of his money just went toward the drugs. And his life and his career kind of came to a standstill. He would still get jobs here and there from friends who cared about him and wanted to help him out and everything, but he was just, unfortunately, too unreliable at that point to have, like, a steady job, you I know. I feel like change is coming. Change is Something's going to happen. He's going to meet somebody, isn't he? He's going to meet someone. All right. So, yeah, one day, around the mid-60s, fate brought Lee to Helen's apartment. So... old fate. Exactly. Helen, as she puts it, was messing around with a trombone player named Benny Green at the time, and it's Benny who brings Lee to Helen's door. Well, you know what they say about trombone players. What do they say? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Helen says, I looked at him, and for some reason, my heart just went out to him. She immediately went into that protector mode, and she knew she had to help Lee get back on his feet. Lee, when he came to her place, had no winter coat. It was in the middle of winter, like freezing outside. He had pawned it to score some dope. He must have been sexy or something to, for her to be like, eh. I'll, I'll, I'll show you some photos. Uh, he also no longer had his trumpet because he sold that as well. So guess what Helen did? Bought him a new trumpet. Well, wow. Close. She took him to the pawn shop and bought back both his coat uh. and his trumpet. After that, as she puts it, Lee hung on to me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to quote Benny Mulpin, who is a saxophonist and composer who worked with Lee. He says, I thought Helen was super. She was his confidant, his friend, his lover. She was older, and she was definitely unafraid to be with a person who was unstable. I don't know much about her background, but whatever it was gave her a strength. She had a real quiet strength about her, and he really trusted her. So Helen was actually 13 years older than Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Shortly after they met... They ended up moving in together. This was around 1967, 1968, and Helen basically went about rebuilding Lee's ego, basically. Um, he had pretty much given up on life and music at that point, uh, but she really encouraged him to clean himself up. Uh, it was really the heroine just, just that was holding him back. Like he had all this talent and everything, and you know he had a good career up until that point. There was no reason that if he didn't get clean, he couldn't just get back on track, right? Mm -hmm. So she convinced him to enter a hospital in the Bronx to get on a methadone program, which he did. Uh, While he was there getting clean, Helen was working hard to secure him some gigs. She let all the jazz musicians and club owners know, like, Lee's getting clean, he's going to be ready to work. Uh, so once he got out, he easily formed a new group with his old jazz buddies, who were all just incredibly happy and amazed to see this transformation and In no time at all, like Lee
2: had his career back, thanks to Helen Helen, yeah, you had a vision, you did it. she was amazing. I only hope that he rewards you. In ways (laughs) that have, I don't know. (laughs) Right, yeah. I'm so worried about her. I'm just worried about her, and I just hope she's going to be okay. Wow.
3: I'm going to quote Jerry Schultz, who was the owner of a venue called Slugs, which Lee played often. He says, he had never come to a job without her. We did the contract with her, you know? It was like she was managing him. She carried his trumpet case. She did everything for him, and he played a lot. Hmm. So, she she was like his manager. She mm-hmm. did everything. Another thing Helen helped Lee with was his image. Lee started after this point to care about his looks again, and he liked to, you know, be dressed really sharply, and look the part so Helen took care of his clothes she would clean them, she'd iron them she'd shine his shoes before every gig Uh, and of course not really a surprise she became a muse to him there's a beautiful song we'll play a little snippet here it's called Helen's Ritual and it's on his 1968 album um, Karamba. nice, yeah (laughs) So, Lee's career had him out on the road, and soon enough, thanks to Helen, who was booking him shows in Chicago and all along the West Coast and even engagements in the Caribbean, she was negotiating all his deals, she arranged all his flights, his transportation, the accommodations. She did all of this for Lee so that Lee could just focus on his music. Quoting Lee himself, he said, Right now, it's just me and my wife, so a lot of times, I'd say at least half the time, I take her with me. She serves as wife, cook, secretary, everything else, you know? Besides, it's a nice vacation for her as well, though it doesn't sound like a vacation at all because she's working her ass off, and they're technically not actually married, but obviously, they were living as if they were. So, yeah, Helen is happy lee's happy they're just
2: living it up okay at this point living it up heroin free
0: everything making some music
2: everything's pretty good she's cute not sure about him yes um there's a quote i'm looking forward to seeing pictures yeah there's a quote from oh Paul my God, West. my said pictures the way that my mom and my family does. Which pictures? Pictures? Pictures. Like pictures of beer? Can you, know, pr- like, can you print it, like, if you take a photo of somebody, can you print out those pictures for me? Mm-hmm. That's like a, um, a Sudbury accent? Could satellite. be. <laughs> could be. It's a hell of an accent. <laughs> it's like saying, uh, I don't want nothing, or uh, no nothing. No nothing. Stuff, stuff like that, yeah. All right. The double negatives.
3: Wow. There's a quote from Paul West, who was the manager of the Jazzmobile Workshop. And in the documentary, I call it Morgan, he's in it. And I felt like this really sums things up. He said, His life was restored by Helen, and it was a joy to watch. He had his own group, he was playing, he was producing, and he was living. And they all felt that way. I'll. They all admired Helen for bringing Lee back to life. Lee was also teaching young, aspiring musicians who admired him in these, like, mobile workshops. So he was giving back to, like, the youth in the jazz community and everything. So everything was great. Kate okay, loving it. So Lee was at the height of his career now, and they were most definitely part of the jazz elite Uh partying, entertaining legends in the scene. She's like a good place to
2: be, right? Like that's pretty hip, you know, to oh, yeah. be an elite jazz jazz. In or, New, York City. In New York City in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Sounds amazing. Um, well
3: Lee was no longer a heroin addict. He was now, according to Helen, shooting tremendous amounts of cocaine. So, like what is it gonna
2: be? Yes. Yeah.
3: Which I guess neither of them saw as an issue as it probably kept him working longer and harder as opposed to Heron, which like took life away from him. Mm-hmm. So it may be, I mean, obviously not the right way to think about that, but at the time it didn't seem as severe. They didn't know no better. Exactly. Okay, okay there, I got it. <laughs> so obviously though, as the years progress, things sort of take a turn. Also... I don't think they even mention the cocaine in the documentary. I think I got that from other articles and that essay, which I thought was interesting that they sort of blocked that out. And Helen might have also been indulging at that point as well. It's, Helen, no. It's a little bit messy fact-wise. I, I can get why she would want to be talking about that kind of stuff.
0: You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything.
3: Obviously, things are going to start to take a turn. Um, Lee began being a naughty boy. He started going out, not coming home for days at a time. And nobody's surprised. Exactly. So he'd met a woman named Judith Johnson, and he wasn't exactly hiding his infidelity. So, of course, this and the fact that she was much, much younger than Helen definitely had an effect on her you know Mm -hmm. uh she says helen says i think part of that might have been my fault because i might have started being too possessive or too much like a mother to him classic yes i was much older than morgan i thought about it It was like, to me, like I made him, you know, I brought you back. You belong to me. You're not supposed to go out there and do this. He started seeing a girl and I understand it now. I was on him about using so much cocaine. You're using too much. You're not eating and your nerves. I guess I was beginning to sound like a mother. This girl had been after him for a long time. Once he got himself straight, she wanted him, and they were hanging out, and, you know, he had somebody his age to play with. So, sadly, Helen, you know, in hindsight, realizes some things. That's not her fault, though. Nope.
1: Definitely not.
3: Well, I get that that's mothering a little bit, and she is older, so it has that extra effect. That's also just caring, right? Yeah. You don't want the person you love to be doing tremendous amounts of cocaine every day. Sure don't. So since Judith was around Helen, Helen sort of started to take a step back. She was still managing Lee, though. She was managing all the business side of things. And they were making some coin. I don't know. I don't know about that. But they were still technically living together. Uh, but Helen started to feel uncomfortable going out and everything, so she began staying at home. She wasn't going to as many gigs anymore, only like the more important ones. One of those happened to be a TV special. She said, naturally, I was there, but that didn't mean nothing because when we left, he was going to go to her, and I was going on to, you know, I'm not one of those women that can talk about I'm the main woman and you've got somebody else out there. I'm not that built that way. That's not me. I'm no Maine woman if you're leaving here every night, or leaving me here every night by myself while you're out with somebody else. I'm not the main. No. So she's, she you know, she's taken it really hard, mm. which, understandably, she actually tried committing suicide by swallowing poison. Yeah. Lee was home when it happened, and he took her to the hospital where her stomach was pumped, thankfully. Helen decided... I need to get away from this, I, I'm going to go to Chicago, to visit some friends, but she says Lee begged her not to go, and to quote Helen, she said, I said, we can't live like this, it's not me, I didn't go to Chicago, and I told him, you know, Morgan, I'm making the biggest mistake of my life, she would be correct about that, <gasps> yes. So, 1972 rolls in, and not much has changed. They were still sort of living together. Lee was still seeing Judith, and Helen was still managing him. She booked him an entire week of shows at Slugs. That was going to be in February. On a whim, she decided, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Like, I manage him. He's my man, or he's supposed to be my man. I'm going to go to one of these final shows. So she had planned to go to Slugs and then go to the Vanguard later with other friends. So on February 18th, New York City was experiencing this super insane snowstorm. And Lee had been with Judith earlier in the day, and Judith didn't live in Manhattan, so she had driven up and had planned to drive home, but they ended up in a bad car accident. Lee and Judith.
0: Yes. Thanks to
3: the weather. So her car was actually totaled, but both of them came out of it unharmed. It was very lucky. So Lee was late for the gig, but he managed to get there, and Judith came with him because her car was totaled, so she couldn't go home. But Judith wasn't supposed to be there, right? Right. So Judith says she was waiting on a taxi, and she had no intention to even stay, but she was there when Helen arrived so Helen obviously uncomfortable in her presence asked their friend a guy named Paul West to ask Lee to get her to leave obviously there are different points of view on everything that's going to happen now there's you know Judith's side there's Helen's side everyone kind of sees things a little differently. What's going to happen? So, Helen, or Judith says, Helen went off on Lee about something, and it caused a fight. Um, Helen says Judith walked over to Lee and her and said, I thought you weren't supposed to be with her anymore, to which Lee replied, I'm not with this bitch, which is a terrible Mm -hmm. thing to say about Helen. Um, So, either way, Helen is hurt kind of acting out Um, maybe she hit Lee I've also read things about Lee hitting her at this point as well something happened Lee grabbed Helen got her out of the club he like removed Helen from the club Helen didn't have her coat or her purse because they were inside oh sorry she did have her purse she didn't have her coat so she turns around to to try to get back in the club and um quoting Helen she says I guess he told the bouncer that I couldn't come back in the bouncer said to me Miss Morgan I hate to tell you but Lee don't want me to let you in so Helen was pissed obviously and unfortunately at the time Helen happened to have a gun in her purse oh no yes. so she said oh i'm coming in and i guess the bouncer saw the gun so he was like okay yeah you're like you're coming in that's <laughs> all right so she sees she sees, she says that she sees lee coming
2: toward her very angry right that's interesting logic you're outside of the club and it's just the two of us but, and you have a gun so, yes, let's let you into the club. Mm-hmm. Interesting logic there. Yes. But, uh, I guess he didn't want to get shot, but... So, let me just stop you there for a second, yeah. because, excuse me, as we're going through the story, I've never heard of any of these people before, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. Like, y- you usually have a vague idea of who you're talking about or, like, the band in question. so, you know, I'm wondering why are there so many articles written, why is there a Netflix... Special, yeah. like, was it that he was like such a prolific and such a talented musician, or is it just that the story of what happens to these musicians mm-hmm. is, is wild? It's like a mixture of both okay. with
3: him for sure. Um, I think he would have been a legend either way, but what happens definitely made him more so. Okay, so Helen goes in the club, she's got this gun in her hand, she sees Lee storming toward her in a rage as she puts it so she points the gun at him and she fired so helen yeah she says i ran over and i said i was sorry and he said to me helen i know you didn't mean to do this i'm sorry too i can remember the cops throwing me out i went into hysterics and i don't know it seemed to me like everybody must have left I don't know where the girl went. I guess she means uh, Judith. The
2: hell out of there! Yeah, where she said. Went. Went.
3: I think she thought she was next. Yeah. Um, but she never entered my mind. You know, it's a funny thing. She didn't enter my mind when that gun went off. It snapped me back into reality to what I had done. I didn't have a coat. I didn't have a bag. I didn't have nothing. I was just sitting there, you know. It seemed like it hadn't registered. I said, I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have done this. This must be a dream, and I'll wake up. I couldn't be sitting here. And then I just went to jail and sat there. So while the police were very quick to arrive on the scene, they actually ended up waiting almost an hour for the ambulance to arrive thanks to the snowstorm. Right. Yes. So, what happened was Lee ended up bleeding out. He probably would not have died, which he did, if it weren't for that ambulance taking that long.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
3: So, he was only 33. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, on August 29th in 1973, Helen ended up pleading guilty to second-degree manslaughter, and she spent a short time in prison, but she was actually released on probation pretty shortly after. So... She says, I said, well, Helen, you've got to get yourself together. It's done. you done put yourself in it now. So you've got to get yourself together. You've got to get your mind together. You've got to get yourself together mentally to accept what you have done. So when she got out, she went back to her roots. She went back to Wilmington in North Carolina, and she kind of put herself in this jazz exile Really, she ended up staying there for the rest of her life. Um, Obviously, a lot of the people in the jazz scene were very angry with her. Sorry, how many years did she serve in prison? I I couldn't find out exactly, but I think it was, like, five tops. Okay. Probably less. It was, like, nothing. Probation, basically.
0: I wonder why
2: and, like, how. I don't know. Interesting. So...
3: Yeah, the the guys in the scene obviously were super upset that they lost Lee and everything, but at the same time, it's, like, everything that happened, and in the the documentary, they don't talk about Lee being abusive to her at all either, but in articles and in an essay, like, she talks about that, so there was definitely a lot of uh, issues around that, and it was actually... um, It was actually Lee that gave her the gun for protection.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So that's another really interesting fact. So take back what I said earlier. Maybe don't be like Helen (laughs) in every single way. Be a badass like Helen. Be a badass like Helen. Don't
3: devote your entire self to another or to a man. Yep. That's important. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So she actually became really active in her church. Her son says that taking Lee's life really affected her greatly. And after I that, would hope so. Yeah, she really did go out of her way to help others as she had done before, and she she gave back for the rest of her life, like as like all she could. So one month before she died in March of 1996, she granted this interview with this jazz disc jockey and educator named Larry um, Rennie Thomas. And Larry used that interview to write a piece called The Lady Who Shot Lee Morgan. And that's, again, what I used as like the main part of this episode, along with the documentary I Called Him Morgan. And you can hear Helen on those tapes that she did with uh, Larry in the documentary, so you can hear Helen talk about this in her own words and everything. And that's where I got a lot of these quotes and everything as well, well. thanks for doing all of that. Yeah. What a story. It's it's just like it's just so jazz from beginning to end, you know, yeah. like just from the drugs to the accidental on purpose death. Sort oh, of thing. I mean
2: that's what I love about you is that you can take a story that I've never heard of or you know, that I wouldn't necessarily have like immediate interest in. Um And it's fascinating and it's They're weird. Yeah. It's crazy too, like
3: that most people probably don't know about that unless you're like a jazz aficionado, right? Yeah. Sorry, is she still alive? No, she passed. Okay. Nineteen eighty six. She actually passed like a month or two after she recorded those those
2: Yeah. It was like she needed
3: to get her story out. Mm. -hmm. Mm Mhm. Yeah. Wow. Thank and
2: poor Lee, only 33. So she was in her 40s. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. And I don't know. I'd like to. Oh, cool. Links is showing me a photo. I'll post this photo. Yeah. Up on the, for for, like sure. for the main photo. Yeah. hmm So I'm going to watch this documentary. Do so. Yeah. I'm going to watch this documentary. Um. Before I do that. I I do have some last things I have to do around the house because, as you know, I got everything in order. Mm hmm Yeah, like, seriously got things into order. I know where every single piece of clothing I own is because I was not good with that. And um, we're going to put, like you know we're going to sort out the different bags and things like that. So definitely one of my not like I'm not going to say resolution, but like an intention for uh you know this year is to just keep being tidy. You know, clear space, clear mind, that kind of thing. And I'm starting boxing tomorrow. That's exciting. Yeah. I want to join you. Yeah. Going to do it. Oh, and to meal prep a little bit more because uh just with how busy I am Um, The last couple of months before the holiday break there, I was just eating way too much grocery
3: store sushi. Well, it's a new year, new beginning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I hope everyone liked a different story. It's fun to do the rock and roll stories. Mm -hmm. I like learning about new genres and You know we did the punk rock one last time at the cramps and now we got a jazz one in and let us know you know give us some feedback let us know which episodes you like best and yeah
2: do you like something completely new and different and people that you've never heard of before um we have a lot of wonderful interviews coming up yeah
1: this, exciting, this year, oh, I'm so
2: excited for it. Like, some that are going to hopefully be in person with a little bit of traveling, and then I, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of exciting things. hmm
3: And, yeah, I got some other jazz ones in mind for throughout the year, and... Of course, the more punk rock one. Mine's country. Next, yeah, next. Uh, that's
2: one that what, I pre- that's
3: exciting. I'm uh, really excited for yours actually. It's gonna be really funny too. Yeah.
2: Lighthearted. Yeah. 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 After this, we definitely. I wanted. Need to yeah, I wanted to it, it to be the first one of the new year because it's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it is this is, it is really a little is. less inspiring,
3: but very interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, w- companion piece with the documentary. So go watch it and uh, let us know what you think.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thanks to everybody for being so interactive and vocal on, um, especially Instagram. Yeah. Like, the the um, birthday photos and the anniversary photos of the rock stars and the muses and, you know, people really care and um, they care about these people mm-hmm. and we love hearing about it. So, thank you for mm-hmm. the comments and keep those going. And one other thing
3: perk that we had in the holiday season we got to meet uh brie and kylie that was nice yeah um some instagram friends uh who are dollies as well and in the new york group yeah and that was exciting they came up here and visited and we got to spend some time with them and
2: we love meeting new dolls and can't wait to meet more throughout the year yeah i'm gonna go do uh my tarot reading of 2019 so we'll see we'll see
3: what comes up with that yeah i think i'm
2: heading to new york soon actually oh i'm so happy for you it's my happy place so i was actually having a conversation last night i was out with a couple of friends and we were talking about how you know lynx is so new york and i'm so california yeah and being from canada we don't really have an equivalent. Mm-hmm. I suppose our New York is Toronto, which mm-hmm. is where we are. Yeah. And I don't want to complain about being here. Like, if I'm going to be anywhere in Canada,
0: this is the, pl- this is the sure. place to be.
2: Absolutely. Uh, if you want to do or be involved in the things that we like yeah. and are involved in. Um, but there's no... California equivalent no, in Canada, that's for sure. and I guess the closest thing could be Victoria, mm-hmm. but it's not known for being, uh, like, yeah. yeah,
3: and even, like, with Toronto, I feel like Toronto's the New York equivalent to people who haven't been to yeah, New York, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, I, I used to think that, and then I went to New York, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, there's no New York except New York, I know,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: but thank God it's so close, I just bust down usually, so...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to your um, adventures there. Mm-hmm. And we've sent our uh, all of the videos that we took from Tennessee off to uh, a bud who's going to put them all together. So you guys can look forward to not just hearing us, but seeing some of the things that we got up to. Yeah, and, I'm excited. You know, it's a first kick at the can, and it is what it is. And it's by no means, you know... Professor. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to put it out there. You got to take risks and you got to give it a go and um it was fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> was fun. All right. Yeah. Well, that's the first one of 2019. Feels good. Yeah. Okay, thanks Lynx. Of course. And you guys can all head over to rockandrollarchaeology.com, check out the network Pantheon, mm-hmm. new year, new name, yep. And uh, yeah, all so the many shows other are over great there. shows there. You're adding more shows, yeah. as the year goes on, and it's like it's wild to even keep up with the network to it just is. know that all of the amazing things that they're doing. So yeah, those can't guys wait to are talk incredible. about that yeah. when the time is right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take care, everybody. We love you.
1: New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search hypothetical, that's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.